everyone, welcome to Justice Losers, the most unqualified podcast discussing entertainment news and reviews. I'm your host, Preston, joined as always by my delightful co-host, Matt, Matt. <laughs> Matt, what should people do? <laughs> like, subscribe, and just get out there with the sheer joy of living. Isn't life great? Mm. Stuff is so good. I'm excited about things. Do two less lines of coke before <laughs> episodes. I'm begging you. <laughs> <laughs> Too fewer. Damn it. That, that almost put me back in single digits. That's not a place you want to see me in. <laughs> nah, not, not good. Not good. People should like, subscribe, and tell a friend and check us out Just on TikTok. Just one really long line. There you go. That'd be okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, check us out on TikTok at Just Us Losers Pod, where sometimes we're controversial. Yeah. Sometimes we're not. Yeah, sometimes we say, oh, man forgot to say this when we were talking about it last week when we mm. go back to last week's episode if you haven't listened to it if you're somehow weirdly jumping in on this one but my favorite thing and i bet you would say this to me too whenever i like get into like political like philo- philosophical mm-hmm. stuff my favorite phrase to hear is you said a whole lot of a whole lot of words and a whole lot of nothing mm-hmm. yep and someone said that about my comment but you know that mm-hmm. i had very no, there clear was an point. actual valid and I felt well taken point. Yeah. yeah. And I think when someone says that you're when when you think that about someone that like you said a lot of words and a lot of nothing, mm-hmm. you probably missed something. It's entirely possible. Like that, I'm, either I'm that not, or either that or they're really in the weeds in some literary criticism and they're actually just spouting buzzwords for the fun of it. But I mean, maybe. But they thought something. Like they're if they are literally consciously yeah. just spouting buzzwords to seem pompous, mm-hmm. then yeah, that's a problem a lot of people have. Yeah. But you can also think something and then it doesn't actually mean anything. But people that's are what being high is like. Out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, what about this? And like a so- sober person next to you. Like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> what about it? Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Love it. Yep uh matt what you been up to some stuff some stuff some things oh i'm it? excited about stuff what stuff so you remember how last time we did what you've been up to and i was just super gloomy and depressed about house of the dragon and rings of power being just aggressively adequate yeah well we have a surprise winner of the streaming wars and it's Uh-oh. andor i agree we're four episodes in i am not on the i haven't seen the fourth okay. episode but i caught up on tuesday you were right. So good. Holy shit. <laughs> uh, so your phrase to me when you told me on Sunday mm-hmm. was probably the best uh, the best thing since Empire. Yep. Best Star Wars thing. I would argue best Star Wars thing. I didn't want to go that far because <laughs> we're four episodes into a 12 episode season and like, there's time for it to go wrong. But there's also kind of not because we know how it ends. Yeah. Well, not necessarily. We don't know how far ahead of... No, oh, we, it's four we years. Do. Yeah. We do know... We actually know exactly how it ends because they said this will lead up to oh. the, the last scene will be the first scene of Rogue One, basically. I see. Okay. Dang it. Yeah. But that's that's God. beautiful because that's Better Call Saul. We knew how Better Call Saul yeah. ended and it, it was still a fantastic show that took the time to explore its characters yep. and give you new questions to ask and... attack new facets of this world that you'd come to love already yup and oh my gosh (sighs) episode four i'm not gonna spoil anything but there's imperial bureaucrats talking about quarterly reports and i've never wanted anything more out of my star wars universe (laughs) 
<laughs> I, my thing, like the thing that I noticed is it has such a small story to tell. Yeah. Which is a wild different thing from anything mm-hmm. else Disney does because Disney's just trying to go like bigger, like bigger is better and all yep. that kind of stuff. This is why I've, we've, I've monologued about this all the time. Mm-hmm. Why five is so much better than four is because they decided to scale it down to more character focused things mm-hmm. than ah the empire destroy the empire and like why well, i like last jedi mm-hmm. more than a lot of people do is because mm-hmm. they scaled it down and focused on the characters yes yeah, even though there's characters good. that i don't give a shit about and whatever the casino scene was Ugh. like those were bad i acknowledge yeah, no, it's a flawed movie but the idea of scaling down is mm-hmm. so so important yeah and like i think one of the reasons I am still finicky on Rogue One is because it doesn't really scale it down. It is it's it's scaled down in terms of like very few people and like mm-hmm. a single mission. Yeah. But it's also the scale of it is taking down the Empire. Right. Um but this one is just he's just surviving. Yeah. We barely know like well at, at up to at level th- or episode three. It's literally just he's trying to sell this one thing. Yeah. And that's it. It's so simple. Yeah. But like everything else, it's everything that all the 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 machine and the gears and everything that are behind that mm-hmm. that are running is just it's uh the world feels so inhabited. Yeah, it's it's <sighs> just it's magnificent. And they like they dedicate time to relationships, mm-hmm. and not to say that they haven't done that before in shows. No, yeah. Fair. But this time it's two really good, like two or three really good actors. Yeah. And also good dialogue. Yeah. And it's just like, you, you meet these people and you're like, it, and, and they, they, we fought a ducks. Mm-hmm. So many, we fought a ducks. Yeah. They fought so many ducks. Yeah. No, they <laughs> do not spoon feed you. They don't fan service you. Like it's, there's like an entire beautiful. conversation. I think it's, um, oh, I don't remember if it was empire or him. I think it was him. It was him talking to Bix mm-hmm. or Bex or whatever, or whatever her name is. And it's just like, you don't know at all what they're talking about. Right. But that's not what they're trying to convey. It's like yeah. the relationship and how they're talking. That is the point. Yeah. And so like, if you're like looking at the transcript, you're like, I'm missing everything. Yeah. Like just reading the lines. And I love that. Yeah. That's use of dialogue to explain other things. Yeah. And also letting the world let, letting the world be inhabited. Let yes. ha- these people have history that they can draw on that doesn't matter to you. Yeah, these are characters <laughs> living lives yep. in a universe with mechanics and rules and bureaucracies and hierarchies and people with ambitions and people with uh, morals and people without. It's oh, yep. it's so good. It's the the writing is is phenomenal. It just like you're describing. Um, I wanted to shout out the editing. Yeah. There's a lot of scene. It, it's not, it's nothing flashy. It's not some baby driver thing. It's not some right. complex Christopher Nolan intercutting between different timelines or yeah. anything. It's a, but it's just, it's workmanlike cuts and efficient, efficient. Like you can, you can tell there's a lot of scenes where it's like 50% longer and they just trimmed it to exactly what it needs to be. Yeah. And it feels so right. There's, the cinematography mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is, so this is the thing for me is like 
You, we sound so pompous. This whole thing we've been sounding so pompous. I don't uh, care. I'm excited, and this is how I sound excited. I only notice cinematography when it's amazing. Uh-huh. And, like, because the thing is with a lot of the Disney shows, I, it feels like they put the camera on a tripod and just let the actors go. Yeah. But, like, with this one, I, I have never noticed it happen, mm-hmm. but I've seen it talked about it happening, where, so you have the rule of 180. Mm-hmm. Um, which is that you don't let the camera break this 180 plane. So if you have two people talking, like it cuts to one, the person on the left looking ca- camera like to the right of the screen and the person on the right looking to the left of the screen. Mm-hmm. You don't break that because if you have the person on the left looking to the right of the screen and then it cuts to the person on the right looking to the right of the screen, it's... It's jarring and it doesn't like it displaces it, you it from displaces this scene you. because you you could expect to have a particular perspective within this scene. Exactly. Um but there are cases when they intentionally break the rule of 180 mm-hmm. and one of those may be where during the conversation the camera like goes around one of the characters mm-hmm. so that you it you watch it break 180 mm-hmm. but that is used as a role to that that is used as a as a technique to show you the shift in dynamic mm-hmm. between like you have an, a per like a, a interrogator and a uh, interrogatee mm-hmm. person asking a bunch of questions person answering a bunch of questions yep and so th- this is kind of what happened with this one this is uh and or talking to person uh in warehouse okay just to keep it non-spoiler if people haven't seen it uh, where they're talking and there's a lot of questions on one end and answers on the other. Yep. And then the camera goes behind somebody and then it switches to where the other person starts asking all the questions. Yeah. And I was like, ah, it's <laughs> <laughs> actual filmmaking up in here. It's just like, you can tell that this is made by people who care about this story. Yep. From the, go on from the I conception of the story to the writing all the way to the filming and the actors and the mm-hmm. editing, like, the the score ever all the sets are the score is phenomenal the score is amazing the score like the way i described it to gage when i was talking to him about this is like when i'm watching something it's, this isn't something i've ever heard anybody else say and i'm probably super wrong on it mm-hmm. but i feel like there's two maybe three kinds of scores there's like the score that the basically the music is playing to the plot mm-hmm. or to the dialogue or to like the, the actual things playing out right but then there's the score that I feel uh, Blade Runner 2049 does where and and Dune mm-hmm. where it's playing to the world mm-hmm. like it's yeah. it it it's not necessarily diegetic. Right. But like it's 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 the ambience that you, or ambiance. I don't give a shit of being in the world yeah. rather than yeah, yeah, watching yeah, yeah, the yeah. story play out. And I love that one so much more. Okay. Uh, I hadn't broken down that dichotomy, but I'm with you. I like, and like I think that's what Andor is. Yeah. Is the music feels less about like, I mean, obviously it plays into the drama of like when things get sure. intense. Sure. Yeah. Intense, you, you have to. But, but like, it feels so much more about the world yes. and the the thing, the, the, again, behind the curtain machines and everything. Like, yeah. it's as it, you just, you're immersed yeah it's very different because most star wars scores tend to lean toward the john williams model yeah, theme, of they're theme they're heavy, theme heavy yeah. and they follow the action um and this one is not and it goes more synth heavy it gets into yeah. more interesting instruments um oh yeah no 
just phenomenal. Um, what I was going to say is you were talking about how much everyone involved in this cares about the story and cares mm-hmm. about the, the all the little details that they have to take care of. And Tony Gilroy, who is the showrunner, there's some interesting backstory with him, actually. He actually said he doesn't give a shit about this show. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> Basically. So, no, I'll, I'll get into it. So, do you know who Tony Gilroy is? Uh-uh. Uh, he's the guy that they brought in to redo the entire third act of Rogue One after the rough cut was done. Oh. So, he was, a, I think, an editor or one of the writers or something, and they didn't like how it ended. Okay. And so, they brought him in, and he completely redid it. You remember all the shots that were missing that were from the trailers yes. in Rogue One? Those were from the original version. Tony Gilroy is the guy that did the new version. Okay. He's not a Star Wars fan. Okay. He's just a workman like, I'm going to make my film. I'm going to make my story. I'm going to tell it. And Disney approached him about doing this show. And he's, okay, we'll give it a shot. And he hired on a bunch of people. And he could tell as the people came on and started to get into their roles, he could tell that they were treating it differently than they ordinarily did. They had this Star Wars reverence. Mm. And I remember some of the behind the scenes stuff from Obi-Wan from uh, Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. Where people are like, oh my gosh, we're doing Star Wars. This is so exciting. And I really liked that. I was like, people are excited about Star Wars. They have this love for Star Wars. That's going to translate to the product. And it sort of does. You get the sense that those show that show in that movie, they care about Star Wars. But it's this weird, glossy, put it on a pedestal kind of reverence where they're not willing to take risks. They're not willing to mm. do anything too interesting. Status quo. They're not going to tell a story. They're not going to do the job they were hired to do necessarily. Mm-hmm. And Tony Gilroy said, no, I hired you because of this, this, and this on your resume. Do your job. Do this. Don't treat it like a Star Wars thing. And you could totally change the, like, yeah. take Empire and all the Star Wars yeah. away. And, like, it still makes it a good show. You you take away, like, the Star like, who, who Obi-Wan is in mm-hmm. Kenobi and, like, all the Star Wars aspects of it. It's not a good show. I think it kind of stops existing. Yeah. If you take away the Star Warsiness <laughs> of it. Yeah. Um, Rogue One kind of survives if you take the Star Warsiness mm-hmm. away from it. You can do generic space super weapon. Yeah. Um, and or just nuke. Like I'm saying, yeah. like literally transplant yeah. the just story you, into yeah. another thing. Yeah. Yeah. And Rogue One, you can kind of get away with that, and I think this you really can. Yeah. And that's part of the beauty of it. Yep. Honestly, like I. You 100% can strip. You can tell the exact same story, mm-hmm. just naming things differently. Yeah. Like, it doesn't have to be Star Wars. This could be a Blade Runner spit. On yeah. <laughs> set on a some outworld colony or something. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's so good. Yep. Oh, man. Freaking Blumhousing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. So, Andor is magnificent. The fourth episode is just more of the same but it introduces new stuff new aspects to the story cool uh so good yep so uh yeah we'll we'll give a an enthusiastic in-depth i mean we just gave an enthusiastic in-depth breakdown but we'll give an enthusiastic yep. or in-depth or breakdown when the or probably equally enthusiastic maybe more enthusiastic but definitely equally in-depth because i don't know how much more in-depth well, we'll have actual story I guess and that's true. character arcs and stuff to, yeah. to break down once season one is done that's true um, which they've confirmed they're doing two seasons, and that might just be it. I thought they said they know how it ends. Well, yeah, but it's going to be, it's not something they're going to pack into one season. Oh, I see. They're going to let the story breathe, See, that's have what I was character talking about. arcs and that's development. What I, was talking about. I, yeah. I, I thought you were saying that they were going to end it at the end of this no. season, and I was like, 
okay <laughs> no there's a there's a lot of work to do before then and they know that which is why they're given it at least two seasons so we missed a news by the way no six seasons in a movie Peaky blinders community oh right. all the all the actors posted on instagram the and a movie quote okay so great good for them i haven't seen it i should oh yeah you should well uh, first four seasons <laughs> um yeah so that's andor boy is it mm-hmm. what um, has it been up to uh i have remained caught up with house of the dragon and rings of power i am also caught up with house of the dragon all right and not rings of power uh do you have yet. brief thoughts on house of the dragon we won't get too deep into it i'm very thoroughly enjoying it okay uh and you said you were enjoying rings of power more no i'm enjoying oh. i was enjoying well probably still am enjoying house of the dragon more okay. um i'm not I'm not like jumping over the moon, but I'm, I'm on board. Right. Like it's the thing is like, it's, it we're, you're not going to get at season one game of Thrones no. from pretty much anything. Nothing ever will. But this is, I would say if you take the average of game of Thrones, this is on par, if not a little bit better than the average. Cause you're also getting dragged down by season eights. Well, yeah. And like the later and ones. Seven. Uh, so like, honestly, I, I think this is on par with the average uh, on par or better than the average of yeah. game of Thrones. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, okay. I yeah, no, genuinely enjoying it. Um all the characters feel very like clear as yes. to what they are doing. Yes. And it feels very much like the uh the, the gardener writing approach that mm, uh mm-hmm. Gurm takes. Uh the only thing that I will say that I like less about this is that I feel like the setup and payoff of kind of of events are much closer together than they were in Game of Thrones. I think there's a reason for that, and I'll get into it in a little bit. Is it like a fear of no more seasons kind of thing? No, it's a timeline issue. Oh, yeah. All the time jumps and everything. Yes, which I'll I'll get into in a little bit. here. Okay, but um. But no, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Um, The time jump with the recasting Mm -hmm. felt fluid and also genuinely one of my most favorite things in uh when recasting like when you get like age jumps Mm -hmm. or like stuff like that is seeing mannerisms carry over yeah uh and whoever plays rhaenyra in like the older rhaenyra emma darcy uh oh my god like absolutely nailed all of uh millie alcock millie alcock's mannerisms mm-hmm. there was one where like uh when what's his name her husband walked in and said something like her eye roll to the side uh-huh. was like i was like <laughs> i can't tell the difference between you people <laughs> yep. um it's and good. i love seeing that kind of stuff yeah um because there's a, there's others uh what are other examples of uh recasting for an older person uh kind of reverse would be ewan mcgregor obi-wan that's he yes inhabits a lot of the same mannerisms yep. and feeling. um there was one that i can't remember i saw behind the scenes where they were like the two actors were working together and mm-hmm. one was like showing the other like this is how i would play it or like even i think like they did the scene with that person first mm-hmm. and then the other person came in and kind of like uh, and then mirrored it like so it. that it's that it's good uh and I just got the vibe that that's something they did. Probably. Like, I love yeah. that. Cause, and then it made it feel so seamless. Because they did yeah. it not only with Rhaenyra, but also with uh, 
elite elite Allison. Allison. Um yeah. We didn't know uh god names cuz they're not normal names. Her husband, Rainier's husband, uh Lenor. Lenor. We didn't really have a whole lot of him, so there weren't a lot like yeah, earlier. I was honestly really unimpressed with young Lenor's acting. I thought he was super wooden. Yeah. I was paying less attention to him. I yeah, he's not I didn't know that was video. actually going to play out, and so I kind of just wrote him off in my head and I was like, "Oh. Yeah. Oh, 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 no. okay. <laughs> Old Lenor, older Lenor I like." Yeah. I, I think he's interesting. And a much more charismatic performance. Yeah. Shall we say? Um but yeah, generally that's my uh I, I like that they don't at least not that I've noticed. Mm-hmm. Uh they don't do any like tongue in cheek references. Like not a lot, no. The the Baratheons, they mention the Baratheons, but that's cause they exist. They exist. Like yeah. that kind of stuff. Like there's They'll be important. Yeah, like um, he might play a role in this family's history in some way. Who knows? Um, no, they'll they'll be important in this upcoming story. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, so I, I didn't, I don't notice anything, but that's also because I'm going based on just the show, right? And I've only watched the show twice, mm-hmm. and so like, there's probably maybe if they are making references, I've haven't, I've missed they're, it. They're not going too hard with it. Okay. Um, there have been some fun little bits for. Mm um hard fans but i do like i need to ask you this is this story something that's actually like written anywhere yes damn it because i looked up like i've been looking up characters and stuff like that on wiki but like mm-hmm. all the source is from the show hmm. um or it like the family be. trees and stuff like i may just not be right looking in the right place maybe Probably. i'm looking on the show wiki or something Probably. um but is this like is this following the story that is written yeah, with some necessary changes for the book to screen translation. Okay. Yeah, this is straight out of Fire and Blood. Cool. All right. Yeah, which I'll talk about in a little bit here. Yeah. Um, I do want to say something on um, House of the Dragon. Also, uh, Rings of Power briefly um, is just a very meh show still through okay. episode six, except when they want to hit a high note. When they want to hit a high note, they really can. They've okay. demonstrated that a couple cool. of times now. So. I I've gone from I'm just watching it I'm just whatever to all right I'm on board okay it is it is bumped up that is three three for three for you <laughs> two and a half for Let's three call it two and a third <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah. Like a, no I'm feeling good better. season for shows yeah I'm I'm suddenly feeling better about life and everything yeah. I mean Andor is still the clear winner but I had I had an interesting thought um. And this kind of relates to the the whole discussion that we've been having prolonged over several weeks now about uh, capitalism and mass entertainment mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Would it be a reasonable heuristic for a show or a movie uh, to say it is conceivable that this could be someone's favorite show or movie? Is that a useful thing? I mean, depends on what you're going for. Because like, I have trouble... I. I like House of the Dragon, but I have trouble imagining the person for whom it's their favorite TV show. I like Andor. I can imagine the person for whom there's that TV favorite TV show. They're a Star Wars fan, a big Star Wars fan, and they have discerning taste in film. I, I can't I mean, imagine the person. As- I feel like you're asking the wrong question. Oh. Well, because it's like you're looking at heuristics, but heuristics are the dependent variable based on the question you're asking. 
Okay. It depends on what your what your goal is. Uh, is it a yeah? Is it a useful determinant of something's quality? Both quality and its its necessity. I would say no. Okay. I think it is. I think you're wrong and kind of stupid <laughs> for disagreeing with me. But <laughs> uh, if you're trying to figure out if something is like necessary. Well, first of all, that's really hard to determine with something as as subjective as art. Well, right. And you're always going to have people at the margins that like ridiculous things for ridiculous reasons. Well, we're ignoring people's opinions of it. Okay. Looking at necessity. Mm-hmm. Necessity is, by nature, an objective criteria. Yeah, sure. Uh, Good thing that's subjective. Two plus two equals four. The plus sign is a necessity yeah. for this to work. No, it's not. It could be an exponent. Or a multiplication sign. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Get rigged. But with with media, necessity would mean episodes one, two, three, and five. Four is a necessity if you're telling the story because mm. literally there are like act like cause and effect, cause and effect, action and consequence, yeah. action and consequence. Okay. I, I you, see what you're saying, and I think I've imprecisely worded my question, and this is the problem. Okay. Um <laughs> So you like to complain about sort of the Starbucks of media, mm-hmm. the stuff that is bland, lowest common denominator fare. Um, is it a useful heuristic for sorting the wheat from the chaff on that particular question? The bland, lowest common denominator fare to ask the question, could this conceivably be someone's favorite thing? Hang on, I got to reorient where my brain was. <laughs> Well, because I was thinking, okay, so if you, separating the wheat from the chaff of the shows or of the people? Shows. Shows. Okay, so we're if we're trying to figure out which shows are shit and not shit. Worthy. Uh, worthy of existing by asking if, like, what kind of people? No, not this? what kind of people, just could it conceivably be someone's favorite show in the universe? Because, again, Rings of Power, I'm enjoying it. I'm having a lot of trouble imagining the person for whom this is their favorite piece of media. No. No? Okay. Uh, I'm going to kind of recontextualize. Please do. Look at us using big words. This is fun. If you have someone who's running for office. Okay. Is it... Because this is kind of... A, it's not exactly what's going... It's not what's happening in the world right now. Right. Should that person be anyone's... like? Do do they need to be anybody's favorite politician? No, but that's a different question. Well, I'm. I see what you're saying. I but I think, think there's the a, same thing. I think there's a pretty big underlying kind of difference like, between a politician and a movie. Well, what I'm saying is basically like one of them has unnecessary and sex or, and drugs, and the other one's a movie. <laughs> Boom, got him. <laughs> if if Andor is no one's favorite movie, but it's everyone's like second or third favorite mm-hmm. movie. Using their favorite movie as or show as a heuristic for if it's worthy disregards its level. It's it's a gradient of quality rather yes. than a binary. Yes, but if it's everyone's, it, there's there is no show that's everyone's second or favorite because you have a you have a distribution. Well, that's what right. I'm saying is like you take or like a group of people's second favorite, but no one's number one. Yeah, opinion with something like this with something like a population size as big as this movie and shows. Mm-hmm is a gradient on worthy yeah. not binary and so if if you ask the question if people like it mm-hmm. yes or no 
and there is no one that is a yes, then you can determine, you can like weed out. No, absolutely. But you can, you can ask that question about uh, Ms. Marvel and there will be lots of people that like it. I don't know if you'll find someone. Right, but you can you can set set, like that threshold at a certain percentage, but that's, that's a, that's because it's a binary question. Right. But if like, if you, for a show to be worth having, Mm -hmm. it needs to be anyone's number one show Mm -hmm. negates anyone else's opinion. It's not my number one show, but I absolutely love that it exists and I think it is worthy of existing. No. And so if you you slim it to one Mm -hmm. person, like it disregards that one person's opinion because then if you like take one person and it's only their favorite show, Mm -hmm. you lose a lot. But like you take a, broad threshold like this is probably nobody's number one favorite show i maybe it is see but here's the thing so i'm just i'm imagining an archetypical person for whom Andor is their favorite show and Mm -hmm. i can easily picture that person i understand what their tastes in media are i am having a lot more trouble picturing who who it is that hawkeye is their favorite tv show of all time yeah and i think that that demonstrates that even i enjoyed hawkeye I think it demonstrates that Hawkeye is unnecessary. It's not trying to be the best. Okay, let's also think about what's the point of things. So take Hawkeye for an example. Okay. You've got a character, you've got a kid who's deaf. Mm-hmm. And this is their person that they look up to. This is a yep. superhero that's being awesome. Yeah. It may not be their favorite show, no. but it's meaningful to them. But yeah, that and has so, value. But could you make the show in a way that also makes it someone's favorite show? I mean, probably, but that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> well, we should. <laughs> <laughs> I. It's too complicated of a question. Like, well, not not your question. Right. The question of is it worthy of being a yeah. thing is far too complicated. Yeah. I think nothing's worthy. Everything should we? I'm just a nihilist. We should just nuke everything and die. There we go. Uh, <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs> um. I I just think it's uh. Okay. Maybe it can be a heuristic. Okay. But by no means a large heuristic. Okay. I'll take it. It's sort of a reserved yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> you can't take any question and then have... You, you can take very few questions and, mm-hmm. have, a, and have a single heuristic yeah, that defines no. yes or no for yeah, that. There, there are no absolute heuristics yeah. for sure. But I, I think that this is a useful broad strokes one for asking about um well the 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 pop the chief pop culture stuff but then i mean you kind of alluded to this point of this or the this mm-hmm. kind of side question to it is if that's what you're creating the show for is trying to like if you're thinking like target audience because that's what that's target audience essentially yeah, i mean is the person sort of. that uh, this would be their favorite I'm i'm not even thinking target audience i'm just thinking make a quality thing and there will be someone who falls into the niche for whom that would be their favorite. Right. Which is what they're doing with Andor. They're not saying I am making this as a calculated thing to win over star Wars fans. Cause that's how you get Obi-Wan, yeah. but you make a quality thing and it exists for someone as their favorite thing. Not because it was made for them, but because there's an intersection of a particular set of tastes and a high quality thing. Okay. I'm doing my. I, He's calculating. Have, we don't have video. I'm doing a little head, <laughs> a little head, bob, little head thing. bob thing. I'm getting them. I'm wearing them down. I think I'm losing ability to add more to it. Yeah. So, sure. 
<laughs> yes, I win. Suck it. That's Bringing a, that back. Such a nuanced reaction to that. <laughs> I, I can't help myself. It was a philosophical discussion. I this dig is, it. This is going to be a joke now. I love these. Good. That was fun. What else have you been up to? Uh, Well, kind of tangenting off that, finished Fire and Blood. Book. Yep. The nice. book. It's a uh, history of... I didn't realize this before starting it. It's a history of the first half of the Targaryen reign of Westeros. Oh, yeah. Starts with Aegon's conquest and ends with the official ascension to the throne of Aegon the Third, mm. um, who is still some hundred and fifty years before Robert's Rebellion. Uh, yeah, no, I I described it when I started reading it as kind of the Silmarillion or the. Fire and Blood is to Game of Thrones as Silmarillion is to Lord of the Rings. It's right. a prequel that is somehow an, uh, a, a more acute manifestation of what that particular fantasy series is setting out to do. So Lord of the Rings sets out to define a mythology, basically, or a mytholo- mythological world and tell a story within that to, to mm-hmm. build the world. Silmarillion reads like the book of Genesis, right. where it's just this is the story this is right. our chief origin myth don't at me in the comments um it's too technical technically uh, yeah creation myths. yeah and, well, and just like the, the <laughs> early humans you know doing their thing yeah um whereas um uh game of thrones or let me be let me be precise don't at me in the comments uh song of ice and fire gotta get it right is written as fantasy, not as mythology, but fantasy as sort of sociology, imagined history, thinking about, okay, if we created these real people and inhabited them in this world and gave them this rules to play with, how are they going to interact? What are they going to, what are they going to do to each other? It's mostly going to be either horrifying or gratuitously sexual because Groom has kind of a twisted mind that way. Yep. And we love it. Um, and Fire and Blood is the extension of that. It is much more, it reads much more like a history book, a historical treatise, name dates, places, um, fun little illusions. He talks a lot about, um, he really inhabits the role of historian and talks about different historical sources. Um, one of the big ones is uh, from uh, the, the Memoirs of a Fool in the huh. court during the uh, Dance of the Dragons, okay. um, which I need to make public apology um i have for a few weeks now been saying that uh house of the dragon is leading up to the blackfire rebellion i was misremembering my targaryen history it's leading up to the first dance of the dragons which is a completely different historical event in the targaryen histories okay uh but basically it's a big complicated war with lots of uh child murder and dragon on dragon violence hey, the 10th episode of this season is called the black queen what does that mean yeah I'll, uh do you want me to spoil it for you no okay (laughs) (laughs) i thought about that real hard (laughs) uh i mean you probably have a good sense of what's gonna happen next yeah it's gonna be Aegon. he's the queen he's the queen yep yeah yeah it's queen yep i mean dude jacking off on (laughs) on the people is (laughs) uh um yeah so I think having read fire and blood now which goes through the whole dance of the dragons which is what we're leading up to um, I think I understand kind of what they're doing with the timeline now and why there were so many well-handled but admittedly awkward time jumps in the first half of the season. Um, Dance of the Dragons is a complex Targaryen civil war um, that is initiated by 
this is technically going to be a spoiler, but in the loosest possible sense, because you know it's coming. Uh, the death of King Viserys and the succession <gasps> questions that happen after that. What? He yeah. dies? We know we're leading up to You this. mean that Gollum-esque man <laughs> <laughs> isn't going to survive <laughs> eternally? Uh, poor Patty Considine. <laughs> oh, he looks so gross. He's a pretty good actor. Oh, he's an amazing actor. Yeah. All of these people. No, yeah, it's it's a good <laughs> cast. Um, no, but uh, all the interesting stuff happens after his death, and then it starts to come in very linear story. It's spread out over a number of years, and I imagine they're going to condense a fair bit of it just to you know uh, uh, appeal to the um, TV audience. But uh, I think the first half of the first season is necessary, not as the start of the story, but kind of as an extended flashback. Mm set up the characters, let us know how we should feel about people, who they are, what their relationships are. And then we can start the actual story. Second half of season one, building up to, I assume the last episode is going to be Viserys' death. Mm. And then we'll go from there. It's fun. There's going to be child murder. There's going to be dragon on dragon violence, dragon on human violence, human on dragon violence. It's going to be a good time. Had most of that already. Oh boy! Yeah. <laughs> oh boy! Just you wait. Alrighty. Oh boy! It's gonna get brutal. You gonna get any more terrifying C-section? Honestly, that scene probably made me cringe the most of all scenes in Game of Thrones. Yeah, it was right up there with the Oberyn head smash. That one didn't even like get me to cringe that much. Okay. Because that was just violence. Like this was like betrayal. Like yeah. Okay. Fine. They the had all of the. <laughs> See, I don't have principles, so that didn't affect me. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, good stuff. Oh, man, I was like, that entire scene, I was just like, I think I actually spoke out loud, but I was so, like, invested, I don't know if I, I was just like, don't, don't, it's, don't risk it. Oh, no, it's gonna die, isn't it? Oh, come on, like, I was like, yeah. literally that entire time, I was just like, <laughs> distraught. Yeah. It's a distressing scene. It is a very distressing scene. Yeah, no. Um, but yeah, Fire and Blood. Uh, it is different from Game of Thrones, but if you are a fan of the world, it is definitely worth a read. It's it. I said it reads like a history book, but don't take that as it reads like a dry right. school history book or anything. It's still George R. R. Martin. He still gets into the sex and gore plenty and has a lot of fun with that. He um, he's got a lot of little sly asides and mm-hmm. um he gets into some fun there's there's events where it's like okay it's not entirely clear what happened here um which uh the fire at heron hall is actually much more ambiguous in the book oh uh, which is that was I, honestly really cool to see like yeah like having seen literally just i think it was tywin that was giving the history of it to mm-hmm. somebody to i think Arya. yeah and so like actually seeing it which that's not the fire Tywin was talking about. Oh. Tywin was talking about Aegon the Conqueror melting the castle on Dragonback. Oh. Which is much more awesome. Yeah. But. No, but it's one of the events that leads to the impression that Hall is cursed. Gotcha. Uh, but it's left more ambiguous in the book, which I think is useful for the drawing of the certain character. Um, mm. But it's also kind of fun to have his role clearly defined in the show. You're talking about Kane Boy? Yeah. Oh, I love him so much. Yes. Oh, my God. I'm straight up getting like, uh, oh, who was the eunuch? Ferris. Ferris. 
I'm getting Varus vibes from this from but him with a little bit of Littlefinger too. Littlefinger. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh man, I think, I'm so I think ex- about the other way around. I'm so excited about this <laughs> yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah, he's fun. Loving the performance too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, Fire and Blood. Uh. Quite good. Um. This is this is related to this, but complete aside. Um. I have a coworker who has never seen any of Game of Thrones, but started House of the Dragon on my not active recommendation but he asked me if he could watch it not having seen game of thrones and i said yeah, yeah probably and he's loving it apparently so that's yeah you that, really don't need to know yeah that's a that's a very interesting thing to to know because i i am so invested in this world yeah. it, it's it's cool to know that someone can hop in i was actually thinking about that too it's like you can hop into this as easily as you can hop into episode season one of game of thrones mm-hmm. because like they drop the names of places and people and things like that, like just yeah. casually and like fought, fight many ducks all the right. time, like they do in season or in game of Thrones, mm-hmm. except almost everyone watching house of the dragon knows the name Baratheon knows what uh Dragonstone is and what like right. Castle rock, Castle rock and like all that stuff. Yeah. Like you recognize the, like, right. The, uh, like the Lannisters and like you recognize mm-hmm. all that stuff. So like you have that information filled in. Right. But when you're watching episode one of game of Thrones for the first time, you're like, I don't know who any of these people are. I do. I read the book. Oh, shut Song up. Song of ice and fire. They're great. <laughs> um, so yeah, I kind of noted that too. I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, they're not, they're not mean. Yep. Yeah. I'm trying to decide if rings of power is equally or comparably watchable without having at least seen Lord of the rings. Mm. I'm not sure. When I get to it, I'll let you know. Okay. Because, you know, with my lack of knowledge of Lord of the Rings. Yeah, you've never even seen the movies, have you? No. Not even once. No. Couldn't tell you what happens at hour <laughs> one, 13 minutes or whatever that time that was, was. That was impressive, honestly. That was one <sighs> of the more impressive things screaming. I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, have I talked about that on this? I certainly have. Probably. Do it again. It's a good oh, story. Oh, God. I was telling, I was talking to i think you were there yeah and our friend andrew and i like we were talking about lord of the rings and stuff and i made the comment that like i've watched that movie so many those movies so many times that like i can like quote the entire thing i can know everything about it or whatever mm-hmm. and andrew was like all right what happens on page like 83 or something yeah which in scripts each page is roughly equivalent to one minute and so i was like all right like that's probably about halfway through the first disc of the extended edition so i'll say that's when that's Weathertop, specifically when Aragorn comes in to fight the uh, the Ring Wraiths, and I go get the disc. I pop it in the DVD or the DVD player. Mm-hmm. Two thousand three. <laughs> uh, pop it on the PlayStation, throw it up, and that minute is exactly when Aragorn jumps in to start fighting the Ring Wraiths. And I've never done it again. I'm not going to take that credit. That no, I've done you go once. one for one. And you take that <laughs> lifetime record to the bank. <laughs> uh, but I. One of my most proud moments. That was that was magnificent. It was beautiful. I don't actually think I was there for that. I think I heard that in retrospect. But oh, really? It still blew me away. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Anything else you've been up to? Uh, a couple things. Um, we're going. This we're is, in an hour this already. Is, this is good. I mean, we've already taken uh, most of my watchmen up to. So we're pretty, we're okay. Once you're done, I good. think I've got one more thing. <laughs> All right, I'll talk about chess a little bit. Uh, right. I played in the state blitz championships. Bait splits. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just continue. Yeah. Just so 
<laughs> basically uh seven double rounds so you play each person twice because it's fast um each player gets three minutes with a two second increment which means every move you make you get two seconds added back onto your clock gotcha um and uh usually this is just a fight for second place um and it was a fight for second place this year uh, because the best player in oklahoma is rated about 2350 oh. um and i was the second highest rated player in the field at 2050 okay um and for comparison most of us guys that were fighting for second place on chess.com, our blitz ratings are probably between 21 and 2300. Mm. And this guy's 2350. His chess.com blitz rating is 2800. Oh my God. He's really good at blitz. He's really good at blitz. Jesus. How do you get good at blitz? A lot of practice because it becomes, it's so fast. It's a lot more about quick pattern recognition and intuition than being able to calculate deeply. Gotcha. So you do a lot of puzzles. You just see a lot of chess. Gotcha. You get better at blitz um also if you can think quickly on your feet gotcha um so this guy uh ryan um in 2020 won the state blitz championships with i think 13.5 out of 14 gave up one draw um last year he won with i think 13 out of 14 gave up two draws including one to yours truly nice um this year he won with 11.5 out of 14 gave up three draws including one to yours truly and one loss to yours truly. nice yeah got him um you punch him in the face no oh. should have been two wins actually but i kind of botched the end game in the second one you suck yeah kind of just better um so i did end up tied for second um i had an outside shot at first place going into the last round but it was pretty unlikely i would have needed a big upset against ryan on the other board mm-hmm. um but i i played terrible for the first three rounds and then just kind of locked in um the the first game against Ryan was very fun. I'm going to brag on myself a little bit because he kind of just gradually outplayed me for a little bit and won a pawn. Um, And then he forgot something very important. He forgot that uh, when it comes to blitz chess, I am the final boss of Rook end games for whatever reason. (laughs) (laughs) It's a weird little superpower I have in blitz. I am unbeatable in Rook end games. All right. It's not literally true, but I went into that Rook end game down upon and won easily. Nice. Uh, second game, we went into a rook end game, and I probably it was probably a drawn end game, and I pushed it all the way to the threshold of being winning, and then I just messed it up at the very end because I'm not an immortal god. <laughs> Still, beatable. sometimes gods bleed. <laughs> yep. And then the very next game against uh, the second highest blitz rated player in the field, uh, I went into a rook end game down a pawn and just probably just dead lost. Turned it around and won. Nice. Because I'm the final boss of rook end games. I <laughs> <laughs> don't know why. It's kind of fun. Start playing like a us like when that like when it goes into a rook end game, just just pull your phone out and play like a um, Dark Souls song. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, speaking of final bosses, uh, I have not gotten to the final boss of Hollow Knight. I don't think, but um, I'm making progress. Nice. Having a lot of fun. It's a really. Uh, I'll talk about it more when I get done eventually. Mm-hmm. But that's a really good game. You're probably further than I am now. I doubt it. Uh, have you gotten to the really annoying platforming part where there's like you drop down a really big thing mm-hmm. and then there's like this one room with two platforms that flip and there's like two little bee guys. I don't think maybe. Have you beat the Mantis Swords yet? Uh, yeah, I went through there. What's the last boss you beat? Uh, I have not beat, but I have encountered the Soul Master. Okay, you're not where I am yet. Yeah. Oh, that dude took me forever. 
Yeah, I fought him once, and I was like, "Yeah, this is gonna not go good." I'm he gonna is go rough, and I'm gonna especially go his second phase when he tricks you out, and like if you're in the air, you're <laughs> great. <laughs> it's it's tough. Yep. And especially like it, he's one of the most annoying ones because he's so far away from a bench. Yep. And to get to him, you have to go through the f- wizards. I've dropped yep. the f bomb so many times on this one. Yeah. All those wizards. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. He, I rage quitted so many times on that one. Yeah. I'm Good finding, luck. I'm finding that I don't rage quit on the bosses. I'm just like, okay, yeah, this thing was programmed to be really hard to, to you rage quit just... on the minis, on the, the oompas that. <laughs> no, I rage quit on the places where I can't get through the platforming because I'm See, bad at that's... video games. Okay. So that's, you're probably going to end up exactly where I ended up. Uh-huh. Cause like, that's what I was talking about. Like that room, like you get past those ones mm-hmm. and then like, there's just really like, it's so hard. Yeah. I have not played since that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, there was a there's like a little maze with some spikes that i was having trouble with to get to the city of tears and i was like this is just frustrating i'll put it away and then i came back and i got it on like the sixth try the next time and i was like okay that feels good yeah but i i love well i love the world it's just it's beautiful and every new place i go into is interesting and exciting and i can see places that i can't get to yet but i'll tell i'll be able to and it's like yeah this is gonna be fun i'm gonna get this new ability and get when you get the ability you're like i know where i can go exactly (laughs) so i finally saved up enough to buy the the light from the the merchant so that i can go into the really dark caves oh yeah yeah. and i was like i'm gonna do that That instead of of fighting the soul master yeah so i did all that yeah um i love the way the game trains you to deal with your next boss yeah kind of like you're gonna fight hornet and it starts sending the little little fast guys at you and they yeah. kind of zip at you the same way and it's yep. like okay yeah yeah picking up the skills or like you get the the mantis claw and then immediately there's a the little maze where you can use those skills yeah ah oh, it's, it's really good really well designed yep just intensely satisfying mm-hmm. so enjoying that good that's it that's all i've been up to all right uh i have half done a lot of things good any highlights we should look forward to hearing about you finishing the next couple weeks <laughs> probably not because uh i started playing divinity 2 ego draconis and i'm just not really enjoying it it's just kind of repetitive okay i'm not I don't, i'm not even familiar with that game yeah it's 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 fine I I don't know. I I think with me, I just want so much like depth to a game. Mm-hmm. And it's it's so it's an open world RPG game. But it's barely RPG because like none of the you, you don't really say anything. There's a couple times you make decisions based on things, but basically it's just like you go up to a person, you start talking to them, you do the mind read ability, which it doesn't even like have a chance at failing. It just like costs some experience points. Mm. And so like you do it. And then you get a thing and you get a little reward. It's like, yay. It's like, it's very just kind of like one, two, like Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. And like you fight the same enemies in areas a lot. And like the puzzles aren't really even satisfying. It's more of just like, like find the button to hit it instead of actually like, like instead of there like being like a code and like a, a cipher or like mm-hmm. like and th- that that doesn't necessarily mean like there's a bunch of letters in a row and there's like a little circle cipher that you turn and stuff like that. Like code and cipher literally just means like 
oh, I have to hit all of the red ones, like, Mm -hmm. because that's what that thing, that whatever, like, there's really none of that, and so it's like, it it says it's a platforming, puzzle-solving kind of thing, but, like, okay, mind you, this was made in, like, 2001 or something, like, it's it's old, and, like, the platforming is really janky because if you are not moving forward when you jump, you don't move forward in the jump. You oh. can't jump and move forward, which in real life as well, you can't do. Uh-huh. But in every video game, you can move in the air. Yeah. That's just how it works. I was thinking how infuriating Hollow Knight would be if you couldn't move in the air yeah. while you're jumping. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm really not enjoying it. So I'm probably not going to beat it. Okay. Started playing RuneScape a little bit. Oh, interesting. Because I'm studying for a certification exam. Uh Uh-huh. And RuneScape can be a very just, like, click and wait game. Yeah. Uh, And so I do that. I just click and wait. Just watch. Like, read something for a little bit. Look up. Oh, my health is low. Eat something real quick. Go back to reading. Um, (laughs) Like, I'll do the other fun things, like, actively. But, like, I can kind of crank through that stuff. Um, I started reading Flowers for Algernon. Oh, yeah. Are you familiar with it? I'm familiar with it. Have you read it? No. Okay. Uh, it's really interesting because it, it's also a little annoying because it, it's not structured in chapters mm-hmm. where I can sit down and be like, all right, I'm going to read like for 30 minutes to an hour. And like, right. it's uh, structured in entries by Charlie, the main character. Right. Uh, so for people who don't know, the premise is uh, Charlie is a, it's, kind of an outdated premise at this point by the book charlie has a very low iq Mm -hmm. and is like he's autistic Mm -hmm. but like that it's it's so it's it's kind of dated yeah in that term and like they drop the r word a lot but like professionally like the like the professional people drop the r word not just like someone being mean right and so like there's a lot of things where it's just like yeah it's kind of weird before it became kind of a cultural taboo it was sort of a technical term yeah and also calling autistic people dumb is yeah not great no um but that's kind of that's what the premise he's totally just autistic right uh but he goes through this procedure, the surgery that makes him smart. Mm-hmm. Um, and Algernon, the titular Algernon is a mouse that mm-hmm. went through the same procedure. Cause and like, they know that because he couldn't solve mazes and then he could solve mazes. Like, wow. Go Algernon. Yeah. Good on. Um, but, uh, as Algernon starts to deteriorate physically, they're like, Oh, this is going to happen to Charlie. I don't know much beyond that in terms mm. of the premise. Or, like, kind of how Charlie's rea- interactions with people. But it's actually kind of... Uh, I like the the way it is structured because it, it's structured in journal entries by Charlie. Mm-hmm. And so they can be anywhere from, like, a paragraph, mm-hmm. three lines, five, like ten lines or whatever, to a couple pages. Right. And it's daily journal, so, like, it kind of follows him. And it starts with him just... He has really no idea how to write... Yeah. Uh, and he starts with a very skewed perception of the outside world. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever he does something and people laugh, he's like, oh, they think I'm funny and I have friends. And then after the surgery and like once he starts to kind of like he slowly gets smarter mm-hmm. and they explain it to him multiple times. It's like watching the hour hand move. You don't see it move, but it's mm-hmm. moving. And so he doesn't. Honestly, as a reader, you kind of barely perceive him getting smarter. Mm-hmm. I've had to kind of go back and look at yeah. uh, things, but he like learns how to spell and do things right. And so like mm-hmm. 
it takes a while, but like the reading gets a lot easier. Yeah. Um, and he, I just kind of got past the point where he's starting to realize that people were making fun of him. Uh, uh and that was kind of a hard thing to read. It's like really kind of sad. And he like, yeah. like had a, and then he's learning what sex is. He's like 30 something. Nice. Um, and so it's, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting premise. It's one of Kalen's, I think it's Kalen's favorite book. Wow. And so I was like, gonna have to read that one. Yeah. So, uh, still haven't read Dune, like the second Dune. Mm-hmm. Uh, still haven't read the second Mistborn. Uh, still haven't read Lord of the Rings. All of them were like my next on my list. Yeah. At least I got through the Carla trilogy. Yep. That's so something. I finished the trilogy, but. Yep. Yeah, Flowers uh, for Algernon, I'm very early in it, so mm-hmm. I'll have a lot more to report on it. Yeah, no, I'll probably it's... be done by the next recording. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Um, yeah, no, it's it's well regarded. Um, yep. It sounds like just an interesting exercise as a writer to test yourself to gradually yeah. make change like that. Yep. I read, I finished All-Star Western. Uh, okay. I remember talking about it a while ago, and uh, I had only read the first three volumes as we've been through this i'm mm-hmm. reading the do now i have the next three uh it's really good it's 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 good uh similar to how dropping the r word and low i using iq as a metric for intelligence mm-hmm. uh <laughs> so this is all-star western is about jonah hex in late 1800s gotham uh, oh, um, interesting and he's like he's Wait, a cowboy why is gotham western well, so he's from the West and he ends up in Gotham. Uh, so he's like really out of place in okay. this like, kind of like city of sewers and shit. Yeah. Um, uh, this is completely apropos of nothing, but uh, driving home from the tournament today, uh, there were a bunch of cowboys going across an overpass. Oh. Yeah. On Oklahoma. Horses. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Love it. Um, it was in like more too. <laughs> yeah, there's farmland. Between Moore and Oakland and, and uh Yeah. It's yeah. just it's it's weird. I would have expected it out in like Wellston. But area. just going over the overpass and more. Yeah. yeah. Um so there's a lot of uh references and um there's like you get the ri- the rich white guys who are mad that the slaves are free and stuff and, mm-hmm. and Jonah Hex was a, was a uh fought in the Civil War in the Confederacy. Mm. Uh and so there's some kind of like you get like the writer is clearly very progressive in his ideals, mm-hmm. but like lets Jonah Hex have his flaws, mm-hmm. uh, which is which is good. Like I kind of noticed that because there was a lot of like yeah. progressive commentary on things, but Jonah Hex was still a little like like Confederacy a little bit. He wasn't racist, but like mm-hmm. Confederacy and stuff. Yeah, um, like very gun rights kind of person. Um, pew pew, and uh, it was like. Yeah, things are getting worse. Uh, uh, the slaves are free, and the redskin savages like like it's like like uh, now you wouldn't. We're supposed to call them the commanders now. <laughs> like now you would not say redskin savages, like you would like I just did. Like it's right. you shouldn't. We're getting to the point where that should be like the <laughs> n word. But it's kind of like the thing with the John Mulaney bit, where it's just like. You can't say midget anymore because that's like the N word. And he's like, no, because you're saying that <laughs> you're not saying the N word. Not to that point yet. Uh, but like just kind of like that kind of stuff where yeah. it's just like, yeah, you shouldn't say that. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's interesting how language changes as mm-hmm. certain things become more and less 
I don't know if things can become less taboo over time, but more taboo over time. Have you noticed? Uh, sex. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, sex is way less taboo now. Right, but that's yeah, that's more of a cultural thing around sex anyway. I, like I'm talking about specific words or phrases. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Like, have you noticed that the uh, a lot of the most prominent publications aren't using the word slave anymore? They'll say enslaved person. Interesting. Yeah. Um. Or. There's a, a semi times... movement about autism where you don't want to call people autistic. They're a person with autism. Right. Because it's like kind of similar. Like they don't want to like be defined by that. Right. But then also you talk to someone with autism and they're like, nah, I'm autistic. Call me that. <laughs> yeah. Like that's, that's... It's a big chunk of me. And it's... it's how a lot of those things yeah. go. Um, yeah. Uh, what was the other one I was going to say? Oh, um, using Jew as a noun. Oh, yeah. Like it feels a little weird. Yeah. It, it's not entirely clear why it's well, it's not like, a slur it's a, it's just a literal technical term but yeah but it's because it was used it, it to has to identify yeah and it has been used derogatory but now we say jewish person or person of jewish ancestry or yeah something like that and it's just it's interesting how language develops that way fascinates yeah. me i don't have a point here i'm no. just doing no, a fun little tangent your point was that it was interesting yep yeah i think that is a valuable and good point in and of itself yep anyway jonah hex the racist so yeah <laughs> uh the racist we're supposed to root for so it's 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 kind of interesting i don't think i liked it nearly as much this time as i did before okay um it definitely was still enjoyable is that because you're a better reader because it got worse over time uh but worse, I mean the same. I book think it that you actually may be because of my expectations. Okay, because I remembered enjoying it so much, uh, and it like kind of just got accented in my brain as I went along, and then I came back and was like, oh, it wasn't. Did you say accented? Shut up. Because it really sounded like I you did. did not genuinely. mean to, but I guess I did. <laughs> We're going with it. Um. So yeah, he's just living his life, doing things, dealing with Amadeus Arkham, the oh, first yeah. Arkham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he meets Alan Wayne. Oh, there's a fun little name drop for you. Uh, you know how I talked about that I I enjoy that um, House of the Dragon doesn't tongue-in-cheek name drop too much? Mm-hmm. Boy, <laughs> <laughs> it does yeah. it all over the place, every page. Yep. Um, and then he meets Booster Gold and gets thrust into present-day Gotham. Oh. Um, okay. And then gets facial surgery to remove his like big scar that he has on his face that that's, like, the, that's the only interesting thing about him as a person. That well, the yeah. fact that he's a racist. Then he gets sent back in time and he's like, I'm Jonah Hex. And they're like, no, you're not. He has a scar on his face. He's like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's really nice to not lose half my lunch when I'm eating it. But also, uh, I have no, no respect now. <laughs> yep. Um, facial scarring really does that for you. Yep. But yeah, no, it's, it's, it's fine. It's, okay. I, I still enjoyed it. Just, not as much as I thought I would. Cool. Good. But um, that's the new 52 for you. I am almost certain I did. Oh, I watched King Richard. Oh, yeah. The uh, the Venus and Serena yeah. movie that is mostly just a Will Smith Oscar vehicle. Yep. Is it actually good? Uh, it's a Will Smith Oscar vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the actresses that play them, that play Serena and Venus uh, are very good. Okay. Um. John Bernthal. My man. He talks like this the whole time. Like <laughs> it is so weird. Like I want I showed Kalen like uh, the uh the monologue he gives to Daredevil mm-hmm. as Punisher when he's just like really like gruff and low. 
And it's just like, this is who we're watching right now. <laughs> it was so weird. Like, the moment he said something, I was like, that guy looks familiar. <laughs> it was, and it like, with a thick Midwestern accent. Love it. Oh, it's so weird. Uh, he's so much fun, though, the entire time. Yeah. It felt like it really had something it wanted to say. Mm-hmm. And then it's like when someone's telling a story and they get started and they're like, I have this really interesting story. Oh, hang on a second. And they go get distracted. Like they, in the middle of the story, they go get distracted. They come back and they're like, oh, uh, and then, yeah, this happened. And then this happened. And they kind of just like blitz through it. Yeah. Like they set up some interesting stuff and then just kind of, eh. Yeah. It starts with so many strong themes on parenthood and Mm -hmm. breaking out of like both the glass ceiling and also like socioeconomic Mm -hmm. racial norms Mm -hmm. and then it just turns into kind of just someone lukewarm telling the story of them going through training with uh becoming tennis players yeah like Mm. yeah yeah okay but the real question. How easy is it for you to conceive of this being someone's favorite movie? I could see it. Okay. I could totally see it. Alright. Yeah. Then it is it is worthy. No, it's totally like it's it's a it's an it's a good movie. I I mm-hmm. got to the end and I was like, alright, I watched that. Yeah. In, in that tone. Not I watched <laughs> that. And I was like, I watched that. Do you want to sign a numerical scale uh, to your I would say attitude? it's probably a upper six out of ten. Okay. That's that's a good place to be. Yeah. Hard to go wrong with a good upper six. Yeah. I feel like I watched other things. I'm sure you did. Did I ever tell you that I watched uh Legends? I don't even know what that is. That's the uh um um Tom Hardy and Tom Hardy movie. Oh, it's like the twin, yeah, the gangsters, twin gangsters. Yeah, I watched that like forever ago, like a month ago. I realize there's so many things that I've watched or done and haven't like forget about it when we record. You gotta lay off the. Uh... That's <laughs> I just have a terrible memory. <laughs> uh, and also, I usually do it like pretty early in the week, and then that also is like the off week of recording. So like, I get a whole week and a half. Yeah. Uh, Legends is so much fun. Okay, just because it's Tom Hardy being tom hardy and then also tom hardy being the other tom hardy and it's just it's a lot of fun i like it yeah did you hear that tom hardy entered a mma tournament yeah and won yeah i also uh like i see him do uh judo no not judo jujitsu jujitsu yeah and just pommel people yeah no he's kind of scary he's a fighter there's a story a couple years ago he was out I don't know, checking the mail or something, and a purse snatcher ran past him, and he ran them down and beat the snot out of him. <laughs> Tom Hardy. Can you imagine? They don't call being... him Tom Softy. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine just being some dumb part purse snatcher in the streets of London, and you He's look around and Tom Hardy's coming up behind you? you. <laughs> like, Is this Bane? <laughs> uh, the only uh, I I haven't seen Legend. Uh, the only thing I remember about it is the poster they did a poster after it was released where it was all the four star reviews and a two star review but placed so it looked like it was a four star where the ends were obscured by something <laughs> on the poster so they could get away with putting it on there 
<laughs> nice. That fantastic example of uh, letting your brain fill in the blanks and not look at it too closely. Yep. Good stuff. Uh, <sighs> all right. All right. That's all I got. Cool. We shoust. Me? We shoust. Thanks everyone for listening. You can find us. Yeah. Long episode. Golly. I think it was a good one. I thought, <laughs> I thought we had some interesting stuff in there. But here's the important question. Do you think it's conceivable it could have been someone's favorite podcast episode? No. Okay, delete it. <laughs> uh, thanks everyone for listening. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Podbean, and wherever fine podcasts that podcasts wherever fine podcasts are purveyed. Uh, you can check us out on TikTok at Just Us Losers Pod, where I felt like we had so much good content in this one that I don't know how Gage is gonna pick. We'll see. It doesn't kind of chooses any of them that he thinks are worth it oh okay trying to work on building a backlog ah good yes uh let's see um you can check us out on facebook we don't have really much there but you can you can check us out uh you can check us out on twitter at just us losers pod instagram at just us losers pod where i don't know go back and look at the dune graphic preston made it's awesome It's it's a genuinely good achievement it is something I could conceive of being someone's favorite podcast episode specific uh, <laughs> graphic. So it's my favorite podcast episode specific Woo! graphic. There you go. Uh, yeah. So, so check out that at just us losers pod. Uh, we have Gmail just us losers pod at gmail.com where I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to hear what people think about this. Uh, can you imagine it being someone's favorite heuristic? I'm, I'm curious. Because I, I really am attached to this idea now. And if you criticize me, I will either cry or make pointed fun of you on air. Uh, or probably both at the same time, possibly. <laughs> You're stupid and a big weenie head. Uh, my bionicles are someone's favorite thing. Bionicles are great. They're your favorite thing. They're not my favorite thing, but that's... Anyone's favorite thing. Totally. Have you met eight-year-olds? It was my favorite thing when I was eight. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, justusloserspod at gmail.com. That'd be the place. Uh, look forward to next week when we're putting out an episode. Probably. I don't know if we'll have anything interesting to say. Probably there'll be some new trailers or something. Yeah. Four weeks time, we'll have a Black Adam review for you. Yeah. So that's something. Got that to look forward to. I I'm getting ready. I have a... Yeah, I, again, I have a, I'm just kind of a weird gray, flat, nothing feeling for Black Adam, and I haven't even seen it yet. Kind of sad. We'll see yeah. how it goes. Yeah. Oh well. Check out Andor. It's awesome. There we go. Now I feel better. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.